Hi, this is Cheryl Broderson. And Jasmine Allnut. And we're here with another woman worth knowing. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are indeed. And this is another two-parter, I think, isn't it? Oh, at least. Yes. Oh, yes. wow. Let's hope okay. we can keep it down we're to two. We're going to try to, okay. Yes. Consolidate, <laughs> which you know how good I am at, right? Um, this is one of my favorite women of all oh, time. really? Yes. And I bet you didn't know that, did you? No. I mean, I've heard of her, and I've heard you talk about her, but right. I didn't realize. So okay. I had never heard of her before I picked up her book, uh, her autobiography, which is called To a Different Drum. Mm. And I, like you, love missionary biographies, Mm. and especially if they're of women. Um, They get me really excited. Um, And I remember reading this about probably 19 to 20 years ago and just being thrilled. Like, this is one of the best, yo books ever. This is so exciting. But um, at the same time, I was meeting a young woman who was considering the mission field. And I had been telling Brian all about what I was reading. And he said, you really need to give her that book. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's hard. Like when it's a really great book to give it away. Oh, you away. mean give your own copy away. My own oh, copy, right. Oh, yeah, that is hard. <laughs> and I got mine at a used bookstore. Oh, okay, and so yeah, I'm yeah. like, oh, great. So anyway, I did give it to her and it totally blessed her. It's mm. made a lot of rounds. Um, mm. But I never got it back. So I had gone on... Um, Amazon. As soon as Amazon appeared, I remembered your name and went on Amazon to look for it because I recommended the same book to Sarah Yardley. Uh-huh, so yes, I had gone on Amazon and I found it. So I, I got myself another copy only to realize during this reread that the copy I have is signed. Whoa! I know. I was like nice. so excited. So I actually got Whoa. Dr. Pauline Hamilton's hey. handwriting. That's actually really amazing. Isn't you that? gave it away and the Lord blessed you. It gave me a better one. <laughs> yes, better upgraded. One. So this is all about Dr. Pauline Hamilton. Okay. And her story is just so um, wondrous. You know, mm. Jasmine and I have a special affinity for autobiographies. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love a good biography. Yeah, totally. But the right. autobiographies tend to be so honest. Yes. You know, where biographies often like, oh, they were so wonderful and they don't talk about the they faults. never sinned. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but when you're reading something like Corey Ten Boom's autobiography mm. or Gladys Elward, they're so open about their faults and yes. their bad attitudes. Those things that nobody could see from the outside. Totally. But the Lord was dealing with. And so it is with Pauline Hamilton's. Oh, good. Those are the best. Transparent is great. So good. So she was born January 29th, 1915 Hmm. in Philadelphia, and she was the youngest of five children. But she was born um, quite a bit after her siblings. Oh, okay. Was she a surprise? (laughs) Well, definitely an afterthought, right? She always thought of herself as an afterthought, and she never liked her name, Pauline. She always thought it was like a hybrid and sounded like gasoline. And kind of like her mom and dad didn't care whether it was a boy or girl, you know? And so Paul or Pauline. So uh, she was a doctor of physiology, but chose to give up her teaching career uh, to go and serve with the China Inland Mission as a missionary. Uh. So that's like kind of a synopsis. But when you get into the um, biography, her autobiography to a different drum, it is so amazing. So she begins her story one afternoon when she was ready to end her life. So she had been um, completing her bachelor's degree in science when she began to feel really, really fatigued. And she went to the doctor and she was diagnosed with a very serious, a deadly case of tuberculosis. So in those days, I don't know if you remember, people had to quarantine. 
Oh, and they yeah, weren't allowed yeah. to see anyone. So her parents, who loved her so dearly, and they were in their 60s by now, they had a house in the Poconos. And so they took her outside of Philadelphia to the mountaineer of the Poconos, hoping that she would um, get better. Yeah, because people would do that for tuberculosis. Get out of your environment, try exactly. to heal. Exactly. Okay. So, but again, hers was like um, kind of like a deadly diagnosis. God. And so she wasn't expected to live. And so she was just so upset because here she is. She's almost done with her her degree. Uh, she's brilliant. She loves school. Um, and she was engaged to her boyfriend secretly. In fact, they were planning to elope. Her parents weren't really um, wild about this guy. So it was kind of like this secret arrangement. And as soon as she finished college, they were going to elope. And so when she told him... Did she have a Christian home? No. Yes. Okay. Very okay. Christian. Yes. Her okay. mom and dad, I'm getting to oh, that. Sorry, okay. No, that's good. When she told her boyfriend, who she wanted to elope with, he callously said, well, I guess we better part company. You're as good as dead. Whoa. Mm-hmm. And three what weeks later, <laughs> he started dating her best friend. This was like the love of her life. She thought they were getting married. Now, to make matters worse, she was dismissed from school because of how contagious it was. This was before you could, you know, finish um, online. Yeah, not an option. Or do Zoom (laughs) or correspondence courses. Um, There was no option. Also, the anxiety was building up because part of with her tuberculosis, she wasn't able to sleep at all. So she hadn't been able to sleep and without rest, she wouldn't get better. So she was getting worse and worse and worse. Um, So, um, as I said earlier, her parents were ardent Christians and they were praying. And they believed if they could get her away, that maybe, you know, she could recover. Now, when Pauline was nine years old, her mother had come into her bedroom and laid out the whole gospel before her. And Pauline grew up going to church every Sunday. All of her Christian, um, all of her family were Christian and believers and her extended family. And so she's going to church and her mom comes in and says, you know, here's the gospel. Don't you want to have Jesus in your heart? And Pauline says, no, I don't. I don't want to go to heaven. I don't want to have to serve God. I don't want Jesus. And her mom's, you know, kind of begging her. And so then Pauline says, is so-and-so Christian? And her mom said, yes. And Pauline said, is she going to heaven? And Pauline said, I mean, Pauline's mother said, yes. And she goes, then I don't want to be there because I don't want to be any place where that person was. And so whoever this person was, she so disliked them and her feelings were so strong that she did not want to be a Christian. So while the rest of her family began to walk with the Lord and continued to walk with the Lord, she hardened her heart against God, going to college, excelling in the sciences until the TB diagnosis, which just kind of wrecked her whole world and her plans Mm. for her life. So she decided she was going to commit suicide. That was it. She just wanted to end her life. Everything that she believed in wanted was over. You know, a marriage, relationship. She was living in isolation. She felt terrible and her schooling. She saw no future and she thought, why wait for the inevitable? I'm going to take matters in my own hands. And so near where their cabin was in the Poconos, there was a hairpin turn. So to get there... Or to get out of there, to even go into the little town close by, you had to take this uh, road, which the only treacherous spot was that hairpin. But she thought, I'm going to drive off that hairpin. So for weeks, she calculated it. She would not 
communicate with anyone in her family, locked her door and thought, I'm going to end my life. So this one day, her sister happened to be visiting and had a convertible and she acted like she felt better and said, I'm going to the market all by myself and I want to get groceries. So she jumps in the car and she heads full steam ahead for that hairpin turn. She's played it out in her mind over and over again how she's going to die. And she didn't leave a suicide note because she didn't want her parents to be hurt or to know she had been calculating this or thinking about this. So she goes and as she's coming to that place... There's a blowout with one of the tires, and she has to go to this. She can't even make it to the hairpin turn, and she has to pull over. And as she's there, she comes under the conviction of the Lord, and the Lord begins to speak to her. What are you doing? You've been running your own life. How's it? How's it working out yeah, for you? In other words, going? you know, man. And so she gets out of the road and she stares at the tire, and she just knows that God just saved her, and she gets down on her knees in front of that blown out tire. And she gave her life 100% to the Lord. Like no holes barred. Wow. I hate my life. There's nothing to give you, but if you want it, you can have it. And just gave the Lord just absolutely everything. Repentance says, this is it. I'm going to walk with you. You know, death do us part or actually death get us even closer. (laughs) So within minutes of that divine transaction, a man drove by in his car, pulled over and changed the tire. That night, Pauline pulled a Bible off the shelf and began to pour over it. She couldn't get enough of the Bible. She just couldn't get enough. And as much understanding as she had put in her science books, she began to put that in the Word of God. Mm. That night, she slept for the first time within months, and she slept for two and a half days straight. Oh, my god! And her parents were a little... You know, like, yeah, concerned, concerned. So <laughs> they called the doctor and the doctor said, no, that's the greatest thing ever. Just let her sleep. Well, one of the scriptures she came because she'd started in the gospel of Matthew. One of the scriptures she came across was Matthew 6, 33, mm-hmm. which is seek first the yep. kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Because she said, you know, Lord, what do you want me to do now? Because I'm not doing my own thing. So what is it you have for me? And. The Lord spoke to her and said, I will guide you step by step if you'll just seek me first. So slowly but surely she began to regain her strength. So her days began to consist of reading her Bible and then taking long walks in the woods. And she was feeling so good. Mm. One day she happened on one of her old professors of female physiology professor, a woman she just totally admired and wanted to model her life after. And so this professor says, you know, look, what's going on? And she said, well, I had this diagnosis, but I feel great. I think I'm totally recovered. And so this professor challenged her, I want you to go back to school. And she said, well, you know, they won't accept me because of the tuberculosis. And she said, well, if I make all the appointments for you, will you go? And she said, wow, you know, totally. So she said, well, I want you to go to the University of Pennsylvania. Well, she started laughing because the University of Pennsylvania was like a it was an Ivy League school. It was a better... Oh, right. Yeah, Penn. Yeah. Yes. Penn State was a better school than she had... I mean, University of Pennsylvania. Yes, yes, yes. Better school than she had been to before. More prestigious. And she thought, oh, the chances of me getting in there, <laughs> right. And she said, I'm going to get you an appointment with uh, Professor H. That's what he's called throughout the book, Professor H. So she goes, all right. you know. So she has to first have a doctor's appointment 
to make sure she's not contagious and mm. everything. She goes, and miraculously, there's no sign except for a small, tiny scar on her left lung that she ever had tuberculosis. She is wow. completely healed. Never happens. Never happens. No, totally. So anyway, this Professor H is at University of Pennsylvania, and he's the head professor of the zoology department. And so she goes in. She has this introduction by her physiology professor. And after a brief chat, he said to her, I hate women. Women oh should gosh. not study science. I don't have any women in my classes, and I don't intend to start taking them now. And she's like, all right, well, thank you for your time. Yeah, tell me how you really feel. And she turns around just like, okay, well, Lord, you know, that's that. And, you know, I tried and whatever. And as she takes hold of the doorknob, he calls back to her, wait, wait a minute, come back, come back here. And so she turns around and he goes, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a chance, one semester. And so she says, all right. So she's accepted. To the University of Pennsylvania. Wow. Not only that, they give her a scholarship. Whoa. And one of her prayers was, Lord, if this is your will, you have to pay for it. Because I don't want my parents to pay anymore because they've had to pay all this money out of pocket. Mm. First for my education, which I wasn't, you know, able to fully complete. And and then also for um, my doctor's bills. Medical medical bills, which had been really high. So she gets a full scholarship to finish up. And to start her master's degree. So she's doing them concurrently. So she's the only female student in the sciences out of 25 students. The only female. And she's in Dr. H's class and he accepts her. So she goes to find housing. Nobody wants a woman. And there was just this huge prejudice then about women entering the sciences. Which is crazy. This is, we're in the 1900s now. You think things would have, you know, been progressing. And, that's man. right. That's right. But it we is are. the sciences that's a different animal, mm-hmm. I suppose. We're, yeah. in, we're in like the, we're in like the late, we're in the 30s. Yeah. And still there's these prejudices. And so um, she finally finds housing. A Christian woman says, I'll take you in. And she finds out about a Christian group on campus because she said, um, the first few weeks, she couldn't find any Christian um, men among the science students. And she found, you know, there were other students, but she couldn't find any Christians. So she finds out about this group of Christians, and they're super, super um, fervent Christians. Mm-hmm. And so she begins to meet with them, and they get very, very close. And they're studying, pouring over scriptures together. And she's just beginning to grow and grow. So at the end of her first year, well, actually at the end of that first semester, Professor H just adores her. So she ends up getting her master's degree, and it's all paid for. Everything. Her bachelor's degree, her Crazy. master's degree. Every year, there would be a scholarship. And so she didn't pay. So at the end of her master's degree, Professor H, the one who had hated women, remember mm-hmm. him, who's also Jewish, Oh, he asked her, requested that she go on to get her PhD with his backing. He wow. you know, told her, she graduated like top of the class and said, you're one of the best students I've ever had with a mind like yours. It shouldn't be wasted. <laughs> and so she said, well, I'll put in the application. And so she put a fleece before the Lord. Lord, if it's your will. I'll get a scholarship. And sure enough, she got a scholarship (laughs) for the first year. So 
while getting her doctorate, she would go to these Christian retreats um, out what was the American Keswick. And mm. she often worked there getting a little extra spending money. But one day they asked her to waitress and she was working in the dining room pouring coffee when she tripped and accidentally poured it down the back of one of the men who was sitting there. But the man was so gracious and apologized to her. And she was humiliated and said, no, no, this is all my fault. And she ran out of the dining room into the kitchen. And everyone's there going, do you realize whose back that was? You poured it down. And she's like, nobody was so kind and gracious. They said, that's Mr. Griffin. He's head of CIM for America. He chooses and goes through all the applicants for China. And she's like, oh my goodness. But because he was so gracious, she went and bought every book on the China Inland Mission that she could, including Hudson Taylor's autobiography. Oh, I love it. Did she not really, she didn't have any familiarity beforehand. She didn't know about China Inland Mission. She didn't know about Hudson Taylor. She didn't know about anything. It was all because of his graciousness. Wow. That's a good lesson. Isn't that, what a witness (laughs) that she would want to know, where are you from that you would act that graciously? Mm. And, uh, after that, she began to, with any extra money, begin to support uh, China and the mission, just oh, begin to so send cool. support. So she graduated from the University of Pennsylvania with her doctorate in physiology and was immediately offered a professorship at Smith College, hmm. another Ivy League college, right? Wow. However, while finishing her doctorate, she began to feel really fatigued, really fatigued. So she goes to the doctor and she's diagnosed with a disease that leaches calcium from the bones. And the doctor says, look, it's a very bleak outlook. You'll maybe live for two or three years. Whoa. And you'll be an invalid by the time you die. You won't be able to walk. Uh, You're going to uh, your bones are like osteoporosis, but the bones were actually deteriorating. Oh, gosh. So they would break. And so it was, I think it's not, it's not that, but it's called um, uh, something about uh, breaking bone disease. Mm. I can't remember the name of it currently. So Paul uh, Pauline gets this diagnosis and she goes home and she just presents her body as a living sacrifice to God. And the Lord gives her the scripture from 1 Corinthians. She's in 1 Corinthians, like present, um, about her body being a temple of the Holy Spirit. So she says, all right, Lord, what do you want me to do? So she starts doing these alternative uh, formulas. She takes therapeutic baths. Uh, she begins to try to get exercise. She changes her diet. And, and then also the Lord gave her, of course, Philippians one twenty one for me to live as Christ and to mm-hmm. die as gain. So she's just like, you know, whatever's left of my life, I'm just giving it 100% to the Lord. And her health condition continued to improve. So after teaching for three years at Smith College, and she's still under the, you know, illusion, uh, delusion or under the impression, yeah, impression yes, that, she's that she dying. has this terrible disease. But she receives an odd letter that asks, when are you going to China? Pauline <laughs> thought, what? I've never even considered going to China. What are they thinking writing me this letter? Then... She received this visit by an important high-ranking Chinese official that offered her a job at Yanqing University in Peking. And she's like, why me? And he said, well, because you love China and the Chinese people so much. And she's like, I do? And he's like, yes, I have heard your reputation way back in China from some of the students returning, saying how gracious and how kind you were and how much you loved them. And, And Pauline thought... I was totally irritated 
by the Chinese students. Oh, I'm so glad I didn't show gosh. my irritation. But she said they were always asking extra questions and taking her time. And she was, you know, very um, objective oriented. And she would send them to, you know, the tutors or to these other professors. Go talk to someone else. <laughs> and they would be like, no, they don't explain it like you do. You explain it the best way. We want it from you. So she ended up having to these, do these extra tutoring classes. And she was saying, you know, Lord, you open this door. Give me the grace. And she was always praying because she didn't feel like she had it in herself. So now this man is coming all the way from Peking saying, you're, you're everything we want. And so she... She was like, well, this is interesting. Um, and as I said before, she was offered a, now a five-year contract at Smith College. And she would be one of the uh, first women ever to be offered this contract uh, mm-hmm. of five years as a science professor. I mean, this is such an honor. Yeah. And especially back then. Absolutely. And she absolutely loved teaching at Smith College. But the Lord gives her that scripture. Are you seeking good things for yourself? Do not seek them. And she was thinking that she had a little bit of pride about being at Smith College because she got to mix and mingle with all the great scientific minds of the day, famous people. And she loved that. And she loved the stimulating conversation. And she loved her ability to grasp and understand science. Mm. And she was like, Lord, you're not asking me to relinquish all this and go to China, are you? And I know I said you yes to everything, but Lord, I want you to think of the prestige I'm giving up. I mean, I yeah, think this is a great inroad. it all away. Yeah, to share Jesus, you know, and True. I'm a scientist. True. <laughs> and what about all my education? To go as a missionary, not even as a teacher, like through, you know, being at Yanqing College. And... What about my parents, Lord? They're in their 70s. And what about my financial security? I mean, I'm supporting missionaries right now, Lord. And what about my health, Lord? You know, I've got too. this yeah. you know, <laughs> calcium leaching disease. But the Lord really put it on her heart. Just apply to China Inland Mission. So she does. And she is refused by that same, guess what? Da, 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 da. Mr. Griffin says no. And he said, if you had applied five years earlier, maybe. But you're overeducated. You're too old. You have no formal Bible (laughs) training. You have bad health. And so Pauline decides to challenge this decision. And she writes back directly to Mr. Griffin. That's actually amazing because she had all the reasons not to even do this in the first place. Right. So she, uh, she wrote, that had she applied five years previously, World War II was going on. (laughs) So it wouldn't have even been a possibility. And she offers to visit a medical specialist at her expense. And if they deem her healthy enough, would he reconsider? So he writes her back and says, he'll reconsider if she'll visit the CIM doctor, who is a little bit more strenuous in his testing. And he's in Philadelphia. So she says, all right. So the CIM doctor says, I want to see the copies of your earlier x-rays. So she goes to the doctor's office, her other doctor's office, to pick them up. And she gives her name and her request at the desk. And so the receptionist goes over to the file and she looks up, you know, Hamilton, Pauline. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry she died. She died about three years ago. I am so sorry. And Pauline goes, she didn't die? I'm Dr. Pauline Hamilton. You know, uh, 
I'm not dead. And the receptionist said, oh, you must be at the wrong office because the Pauline Hamilton, we have Dr. Pauline Hamilton, she died. And she's like, no, she didn't. I was here. I'm the one. So the doctor hears the ruckus and the argument and he comes out and he looks and he says, what are you doing alive? There's no way you should be living. Your disease was so bad and you were in the advanced stages and you should not be alive. He said, I just wrote you off to dead, especially since I didn't see you. I didn't think that you would live. And so he gives her the x-rays. She takes them back. CIM has new x-rays done. No sign of that disease. Her bones are strong. Uh, I mean, she's in perfect health. There is nothing present, uh, preventing her from going. So, Mr. Griffin has to accept because that was the deal. Uh, yep. So, they send her away for a four-week crash course in the Bible, and Pauline absolutely loves it. Even though it's just, like, condensed. Totally. She's just like, oh, this is so exciting. So, she's walking, you know, while she's in this crash course, and she sees this sign. And it's got, like, three upside-down Vs. And an O, but it's got a line through all of them. So the V's turn into A's, and the O looks like nothing, right? Because mm-hmm. it's an O with a, a line through it. It looks like a zero, like mm-hmm. nothing. And the Lord speaks to her anywhere, anytime, anyhow, bar nothing. Mm. And she takes this to be the motto of her life, that she would submit to the Lord always, you know, Anywhere, anytime, anyhow, without reservation. Love it. So she is. Um, she has to go raise support, and one of the first places she goes is to Boston to the Presbyterian Church, and Harold Okina oh, was o- yeah Okingay. Yes, yeah. Okingay is the pastor. He becomes a lifelong supporter of Pauline as a missionary. And he's so impressed with the message and the testimony she gets. You know that church is on the Freedom Trail? Anyway. Oh, fun. Wow. Boston. Fun facts there, folks. I want to go to that you Freedom Trail. you live in Boston, yes. and you're listening You've to been there, right? Because you went to college there. <laughs> yeah, yeah I love the Freedom Trail. Yes. Yeah. I have to see that. That's on my bucket list. Yes. Anyway, he asks her to go on this circuit with him because he's speaking at these different churches because mm-hmm. he's so impressed with her testimony and what God's doing. So she goes to these churches and tells her testimony in order to raise support. So while she's in Canada with Pastor... Ockengay. Ockengay. Yeah. Brian's got that, and I'm like, ah. Oh, yeah, oh. he was like big in the fundamentalist movement. Yeah. Ockengay, yes. He figure, yes. <laughs> um, the CIM sends her an urgent message to get ready to leave for China ASAP. So wow. Pauline has to leave, say her goodbyes to her family, and head to Philadelphia um, to get ready to pack up everything and then go to New York because she's going to be going to uh, China. And she sets out two days before her 32nd birthday. But while she's there, you know, ready to leave uh, the train and her family's all waving goodbye in Philadelphia, this American Indian who's a wonderful Christian comes up to her and he says, "Um, I want you to remember this, man before business, because man is your business from Mm. the Lord. And then another retired missionary comes up to her and says, Pauline, I want you to learn what I learned on the mission field. And this will come back to you over and over again. Feast when you feast and fast when you fast. Hmm. And in other words, like receive God's blessings and receive, you know, 
everything that the Lord has mm-hmm. for you with open hands, whether it's feasting and He's blessing you, or whether it's hardship, receive Separation, it as from the yeah, Lord. Yeah. Um, and so with that, she sees uh, a woman that she went to Bible college with, Hazel, another single woman, and they board the ship, and they're off for China. And that's where we're going to stop with part Ooh, one. Leave Is me hanging there, folks. Yes. Is that a good cliffhanger? I think so. So anyway, isn't that? I mean, yes. I just love this story. She hasn't even gotten to China yet, and it's already a fascinating story. Isn't so, it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, it gets really fascinating. Remember, this is the end of World War II, right? So right, this is just after, right? Right. Late, what is it? Late four, 1940s? Okay. Right. Yeah. No, it's like 1945. I mean, oh, okay, it's okay. just wow. so new. It's like so so new. Um, so it's like 1945, and she's going to she's going to China, and. And um, not only that is she on her way to China, but she's also going to, um, well, let's save it for the next time. Okay, we'll just do that. Because <laughs> Pauline Hamilton is definitely a woman worth knowing. Come I would back. say so. Join Please. us next week. Join us. Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnett. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Jasmine on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at wwk at cccm.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnutt.